the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report, where we give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Today we're jumping into a very hot topic. It's one that is hot across the country, and it's the topic of community policing or policing in our country. And uh, man, I was raised to really respect police officers. If you have a problem, look for the helpers. That's what uh, we were told by Fred Rogers. Those helpers include police officers, and we're supposed to go to them when we need help. And yet so many young people and even older, it seems, have been raised at a time where they want to throw all their animus and all their hate toward our police officers. Uh, and really a very sad state of affairs, one that we have lived through as a country before. We've come back around to respect those in law enforcement, and now we're at a time where we're putting them in a very difficult situation. And uh, Chad, we're gonna, we have a great guest on, of course, but this is a, a topic that, um, as those who serve the veteran community, I think this is also very close to many of the people that we serve because so many veterans are in the law enforcement community. And so many of the issues are the same issues. And many of these men and women are, are struggling so deeply with what's happening around them. Yeah, how far have we come since September 11th, 2000? That's incredible. Yeah. And uh, police officers and firefighters ran into those burning towers to rescue people, and, uh, and we said we would never forget. Yeah. And uh, America has forgotten, um, whether you support police officers or not, I don't think America as a whole still sees police officers the same way. And, uh, and it's reflected in the way they're being treated today. And as, uh, you know, these, these civic leaders, uh, <laughs> I think I've said it, you know, said it earlier today, uh, you know, I hate calling them leaders, but the <laughs> civic, uh, of our communities yeah. have, uh, have joined in on this, yeah. uh, and strictly for political purposes, because these same uh, so-called leaders utilize the police departments to protect their homes and protect right. their families uh, with through personal details. But when it comes to their citizens, they're uh, they're they're uh, bowing to defund the police. And, and look, we I don't think anyone when George Floyd was was killed, I don't think anyone disagreed that that was wrong. The police officer was out of line, right. and a George Floyd was wrongfully killed. Uh, I don't think anyone disagree with that. And people across the, the political spectrum, across the country, all agreed and all do agree that police officers are not trained enough. They don't have enough money to be trained enough. And, and indeed, there is work to be done within policing. Yeah. And the, the, the answer to that is more <laughs> training, uh, more, which means more money and more oversight uh, to do their job better. And do, and do better community policing and be safer when they're doing their policing and make better decisions, judgment calls, have better equipment. But that requires more funding, not right. defunding. <laughs> I mean, it's completely ludicrous that you would say, uh, this isn't working good enough, so let's defund it. What's the solution to that? Yeah, we're working uh, the wrong way and not uh, uncommon. We are responding completely emotionally to something we don't understand and then demanding results that we cannot enforce. But that's where we are. And uh, we're going to talk about policing today. We've got a great guest on to help us do that. Our guest today is Adam Davis. 
Adam is a friend to the Mighty Oaks Foundation, a former police officer, writer, and speaker on issues important to the law enforcement community, all from a faith position. He has his really finger on the pulse of what's happening in the policing community across the country. And I really appreciate you, Adam, for coming on with us for a couple of minutes today, all the way from Alabama. Sweet home, Alabama. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Chad. It's, hey, it's truly an honor to be on with you and uh, very grateful to have an opportunity to share with your audience what's going on in the world of law enforcement today. We're going to jump into, uh, into that, but before we do, why don't you give us a couple of minutes for those that don't know you of uh, your background, kind of leading up to the work that you're doing right now. Yeah. So, uh, former cop and I uh, started off on night shift patrol transition, day shift patrol, hostage negotiations, traffic homicide, criminal investigations, um, and just really felt like that when I got into law enforcement, my faith was pretty sound, uh, and, and it wasn't long that I, before I realized that it wasn't. It, hmm. You know, I was, I, was, I was shaken, and I found myself uh, using alcohol every night as a way to sort of numb the pain and, and reset my brain after every shift, and I got to the point where I was ready to end my life. Almost lost my marriage. My my kids didn't like me anymore, which was weird because the reason I, one of the reasons I got into law enforcement is because I wanted my kids to be able to respond when somebody says, "What kind of work does your daddy do?" I wanted mm. to be able to bow their chest out and say, "My daddy's a cop," right? With pride, and they didn't like me. I got to the point where I isolated myself and pushed a lot of people away. But I really enjoy the work I did. To to this day, I miss law enforcement. I miss the work. Um, but I have a, I have a different mission and it's, it's a, it's a different angle and it requires a lot of time. And, but I, uh, probably my favorite part of law enforcement was, was being a hostage negotiator. I was trained and certified by FBI and, uh, actually had a few live events that we negotiated yeah. one lasting a week, wow. uh, involved a man who went onto a school bus, killed the driver and took a five-year-old boy into an underground bunker. Uh, at the end of that week, the FBI HRT went in the underground bunker and eliminated him and and brought the little boy out safely so okay. uh you know god brings us to different places for different reasons it's weird but hey he works in mysterious ways and i'm thankful to be where i am today yeah, yeah that's right it's good adam uh so thankful for your service and, and even more so man just thankful for what you do now uh you know a lot of what we do at mighty oaks uh, and uh when we do the work at mighty oaks Jer jeremy and i do specifically taking our history and then paying forward the lessons we learned to our warriors. I see you do it over in the, in the law enforcement side. Some of that bleeds over. We do stuff in, in partnership, even with you at, uh, with the law enforcement officers and the, all the first responders here at Mighty Oaks. But uh, so thankful for what you're doing. So um, we really want to know, like, with all the challenges, and the tremendous challenges uh, that police face across the country right now, just give us an overview of the state of policing in, in the United States you know, present time, 2020, the year of complete chaos. You know, what's, what's the state of policing in America right now? You know, I talk to officers across the country from coast to coast. And one of the common threads is, um, you know, some of them are tired. Uh, but a lot of them are, this is a moment that you dig in. You know, we talk a lot about resilience. We talk a lot about having a, a, a resilient mind. Uh, it's in times like these that you really find out who the real cops are. Mm. You find out who they are because a lot of guys 
are shaking right now. They're, you know, and, and I know where they're at. I know that feeling. I know, I know how they feel, but it's, it's different. You, you have to, I go back to right after Ferguson when, when the events of Ferguson happened and black lives matter organization was sort of yeah. started. Um, and I look at how the, the environment and sort of the climate around law enforcement was then, uh, every angle, every, every moment, every stop, every time you're, you're out, you're always vigilant. But these type of events, the constant hatred, I mean, vile hatred against law enforcement, uh, if you're not careful, you can find yourself being uh, hypervigilant, which leads to other issues down the road. But, uh, you know, I think like everybody, we're just we're tired of all the all the hate. We're tired of all the lies. We're tired of all the manipulation and media. And uh, we need to see more people stand up and, and voice their support for law enforcement, not just not just post about it on social media, but do something about it. It's one thing to say, I support law enforcement. I'm proud to be American. It's another thing to do something about it. And that's what my challenge is to churches across America today, to pastors, business leaders, citizens, is do something. Because now more than ever, the men and women that you depend on in your moment of, in your moment of greatest need, they need us. They need us to say, we've got you back to show it, to support them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think we've ever seen a climate around law enforcement like we do right now. Like what we have, it's, it's never been as bad as it is now. Maybe it has been as bad, but it hasn't been as exposed as it, as it is right now because of social media, uh, flanning, uh, fanning the flames of, of, uh, of injustice right. or, or perceived injustice. And are there bad things that happen in law enforcement? Absolutely. But we have to address the, we have to address the, the profession as a whole and not punish the entire profession for the for the behavior of a few and uh i I think this is a this is a great opportunity for america to show how much she loves and supports her cops hey adam one of the things we don't like to talk about as christians is mental health it's like a dirty phrase right like don't talk about mental health um Yeah, yeah but mental health is a real thing we understand that we all struggle to one degree or another with our mental health um Talk about the mental health impact, and we could even talk about the spiritual health impact uh, associated with that. Um, so mental health, spiritual health, the relational health on the police officers that are not only dealing with these issues. One, one of the conversations that I've been having with police officers who are in good communities that support the police is that watching through social media, as you mentioned, other communities that don't support the police and things that are happening mm-hmm. to their brothers and sisters in blue across the country, that's having an impact even on those who aren't maybe in those situations. Can you talk more specifically about all the violence, all the, you know, the lack of support for law enforcement, how that impacts the men and women who are serving? If you feel like you've been abandoned, if you feel like you're the sort of the lone ranger, so to speak, and, uh, you know, at some point you, you may even ask, what good is it? What, what, what good is my service anymore? If, if I arrest somebody for for resisting arrest or for for inciting a riot or for violence or assault or whatever the whatever the charge is and they're they're released before you can finish your paperwork you start to question why am i doing this work i mean if the purpose of me doing this job it has been sort of overridden by politics then what what good is it why should i keep why should i keep serving and so my answer to that is because there's somebody today who's asking God to send them an angel. They're asking God to send them help. And if there's nobody there wearing that uniform, wearing that badge, wearing that gun belt, working that beat, 
who will respond? Who will be the one that says, send me? There has to be one that holds the line. And somebody's been called to do that. And we can't control what happens in all these cities around the country. We can't control that. All I can control is what's right here and what I do to influence law enforcement officers and other people in the nation. Yeah. I can't control those situations. What I can do is control how I respond to what's going on around me. And I choose to respond by continuing to endure and to continue to persevere. And and that's my message to law enforcement. That's my message to the cops I've talked to on a daily basis is keep fighting, keep putting one foot in front of another, in front of another. One of the greatest lessons I learned was from an old pastor who said, when you're traveling and you come into a storm, don't stop because he liked to get somewhere at a specific time and he liked to be pretty punctual. Don't stop. Keep moving. You may have to go at a slower pace, but keep moving. The storm will pass and you'll get through it. Keep moving. Yeah. We're in a storm right now in America. We can't stop because of the storm. We have to keep moving no matter how slow we move our feet, no matter how small those steps, keep right. moving. You're going right. to you're going you're going to come out of the storm. So the 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 stuff that you see in the in Portland, Seattle, New York, uh, Atlanta, even here recently in, in, in different parts of the country. How do we respond to that? We respond by saying, you know what, we're not backing down. We're going to, we're going to continue to, to put out a, a good service. We're going to continue to recruit great cops yeah. and we're going to continue to hold the line because we're not backing down in the threat or the face of evil. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. You know, um, you know, Adam, you, you and I have both been police officers, um, uh, and then most of most Americans, uh, you know, the ninety nine point nine percent of Americans have had never put on that uniform, never put on that badge, and never walked out of that, their house and kissed their family goodbye. Yeah. They're going to come home, and they never, uh, you know, had to make those split moment life life or death decisions that police officers make every single day. And I've always seen police officers that are facing, uh, you know, on top of the normal dangers that we you face as police officers, we've seen police officers uh ambush get, they, they, they could be getting called on a legitimate call they could, could be getting a call being called into an ambush uh oh, or yeah. you're just sitting in their car taking a breather and have someone walk up and start shooting through the side window of the car and then you have yeah. you have uh you know politicians and community so-called community leaders and i hate to use the word leaders but some of these political uh, <laughs> political yeah, uh, people right now <laughs> then, i mean they're, they're i mean they're they're working against their own police officers uh, and meanwhile, getting protection from their police officers and doing things like bringing, like, like proposing the to take away qualified immunity, which protects the the civil liability of police officers yeah. doing their job. I mean, they're play, they're facing so many things right now, and it's it's yeah. it's so insane to be a cop, and there's so many That's unique challenges. What are what are some of the unique and uh, just challenges that stick out to you right now that law enforcement officers face every day? Uh, well, number one, we're giving a free pass to people because we're afraid of, of prosecuting certain people because of their position. Uh, I personally think that if you're in an elected position and you're calling for the law enforcement to be defunded, you should be arrested for treason hmm. because you're you're an absolute idiot. You have no <laughs> idea what you're calling for. When you look at places like Portland and Seattle who called just months ago, defund law enforcement and voted unanimously to do it. Now they're saying, well, crime has skyrocketed. Where are the cops? How stupid do you have to be to call for cops to be defunded, defund them and then complain because they're not there. Right. <laughs> they have no, they have no business being in elected office. They have no business being in leadership period. 
They have I, no I believe, business. They're. I believe they're. Period. I believe they're not just civilly. Li- I believe they're civilly liable. Absolutely. 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 I also believe that there's a criminal liability there. Yeah. And I, absolutely. I've argued, I've argued that with several people, but uh, you know, it's a malfeasance of office. They took an oath to defend the the people there. That's and, right, and they're not doing it. Based on political motives to do that. No, it's, it's yeah. not. I mean, they're not doing it. And so we have to, as the people, we have to hold them accountable. If you have a leader in your community, the, see, the point, the problem is the majority. That word that comes before majority is silent. We've been <laughs> silent, and we've given the enemy an inch of rope, and he's taken a whole yard. And we can't be silent anymore. It, they poked the bear long enough. And it's time that we take back our communities and we let our cops know we got your back. If you see somebody mistreating law enforcement or anybody for that matter, step in and do something, stand up for your fellow citizens, stand up for what you believe in. But that's really the problem. So many people don't even have a clue what they believe in. So they don't know what to stand for. Mm. And so, you know, when it comes to our law enforcement officers, what are we going to do? We're going to fight for them. We're going to, we're not going to be silent anymore. And we're going to elect people into office that will relentlessly support our way of life, law and order. We're going to, we're going to elect people who support cops, who support our military and who will fight to make sure we have safe communities. Because I don't know what these, uh, other than chaos and anarchy, what they want. They want total domination over our way of life. They want to destroy America. And it starts with cops. Let me tell you something. When they take away your cops, they're not stopping. They're not stopping there. They're coming for you. They're coming for your families. They're coming for your homes, for your jobs. They're coming for everything you've got. And then you'll regret being silent. Now is the time to quit being silent and let your voice be heard. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is mightyoaksprograms.org. I got a question for you. I didn't plan to ask. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm here you talking and I have to ask this because I've been kind of torn on this as someone who... I mean, adamantly loves loves and supports our police, but we're yep. seeing we're seeing in America police officers being forced to do things that they probably don't agree with, like oh man, arresting people, arresting you know a, a mom who's at her children's football game, <clears throat> and arresting and arresting her for for wearing a ma- not wearing a mask or because uh, uh, of COVID. Are you seeing um I've seen, I've seen two, uh, three people were arrested for at a worship, outdoor worship service without wearing masks. Oh, yeah. so these police officers are being put in a in a bad situation. What would you say about those 
what about those officers? I mean, what what rights do they have as officers to stand up and say I'm not enforcing these uh, on this unlawful? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's from it's mayors and governors, right? Yeah. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose it in, in a I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second here. <laughs> that cop is probably making. It really doesn't matter what they're making, but it's it's a it's their way of life. It's their living. Um, and their mayor, their their mayor, their city manager, their local elected politicians have come down the pipe and said, we're not going to have another spike in COVID cases. If you see somebody not wearing a mask, you arrest them. They pass that down to the chief. The chief catches fire. The chief is down the order, all the way down the ranks. Y'all know how it works. They pass the order down the ranks. Now, if you're the guy who says, I'm not enforcing it, they're going to make an example out of you. So what do you do? Do you enforce the law and tell the people, look, you, I mean, you don't know that they told them, I, I, I don't want to do this, but listen, I, I'm just doing my job. Again, we have to hold the people who we have elected into office accountable for forcing their hand on stuff like this. I mean, personally, walk away. Just walk away. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But people are afraid of losing their livelihood. They're afraid of losing their, their paycheck. They're afraid of losing their job. What are you going to do? Yeah, there's other places across the country that would hire them in a heartbeat for walking away from doing that. But the chances of – we wouldn't even know who they were if they walked away from that and refused to arrest them. And then all they're going to face is a, a cut paycheck, being ostracized and punished by their leadership, who's wanting to be tyrannical and enforce laws that aren't laws. They're just wanting to be overbearing in their – and their overreach uh, in their position that they shouldn't have. So that my position is, hey, it's hard to say what we would do. You got to put yourself in their shoes. But at the same time, I'm not I'm not a force. And if you come to me and said, Adam, go house to house and take their guns. No, I'm not doing that. Same way with this. This isn't a law. It's a mandate. It's not a law. Don't enforce it. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, the, reason, the only reason I brought it up is because uh, you know a lot of people are confused on how to look at police right now, and and I, I you know I just want to make the point uh, for myself yeah. that the 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 pressure doesn't belong on the police police officers. They have the right to make those choices, but it really goes to the mayors and governors, and that's who we need to hold. That's right. Has to be. Has to be. Adam, with that, um, so <laughs> community support is very very important. We understand that um, because we hear it a lot. Uh, I, I would like to get your perspective as a police officer on the importance of community support and, you know, connected to what we just talked about. Um, a lot of people would look at police as, particularly since they're in a uniform, they drive a different car that has, you know, the logo of the city on it. Um, they don't care about the community. They don't care about community support. They're there to yeah. do a job. And in a lot of respects they are. They're there to carry out the will of the elected officials in that city. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't push back on what you just said, but I do believe police officers need to, at least in their own mind, have a line that they're not willing to cross. Now, whether that's arresting for a mask or whatever it is, uh, I mean, there has to be a line that elected officials can't tell you, you have to do this or else. Um, and, and we've seen this. We saw this in Atlanta, right? We saw this in Minneapolis where the police officers said, we're not doing it. They walked off the job. And that changed the conversation. So yeah. it, it's a strange relationship between the police officer and the community because they kind of stand between the elected officials and the community. Um, 
All of that being said, how important is it for a police officer, an individual police officer, to receive the support of the community? I think sometimes we give ourselves a pass as community members because we say, well, they don't care anyhow, so it doesn't matter. How important is it to them? I don't, it's important, but not in the way that it sounds. They, they don't work for a pat on the back. Uh, some of them, I mean, some of them, sure, but you know, by, and, by and large, they don't work for somebody to pat them on the back and say, good boy, good girl, good job, whatever. Um, no attaboys. Um, it's more because one cop to 3,000 Americans and there's only so much that two eyes can see. And we have to have relationships within our community that will enable us to be more effective in carrying out our duties, no matter what they are, whether they're patrol, investigations, whatever the case is, we have to have those relationships. You have to have them to be able to solve crimes, to get tips. If you don't have those relationships, they shut those, fun, they, they shut those sources down. So we have to have those relationships. It's not necessarily about well, I can go into this community and I know they got my back. No, that breeds complacency and that'll get you killed. Uh, you can go into the same, like the, the hostage situation I was telling you all about earlier. Uh, the guy was, he'd make meals for the bus driver. The bad guy did, Jimmy. He would make meals for him. He mm. was grooming him. He was preparing him. I can feel comfortable around Jimmy. Jimmy's my buddy. Right. He'll, he'll make food for us. He'll give me some food every once in a while, even a Christmas present. And then one day Jimmy comes on the bus and blows his brains out. Uh, and then takes a kid hostage. So we can't do it because we want their support. We do it because we need the relationships to be able to be effective in carrying out the duties that we swore an oath to do. And it's part of it's part of relationships. It's part of the it's part of the duties of law enforcement. Yeah. Do they do they need the support? Do they need to know uh, that somebody's going to support them? Yeah, sure. But let me tell you something. If all of America turned their back on cops today, they would show up tomorrow and do their job they would show up because they've done it they've done it in communities that have turned their backs on them they showed up yeah they showed up and so it's not necessarily for the attaboys more than it is uh, to have the relationships to be able to do the job um man we could talk about all of this for a long time this is a crazy time for police in the united states i think we would all agree the three of us at least that the real need for those on the front line whether it's military uh, the first responder community or other communities is the spiritual need. And, and really, right. Adam, that's what you're involved in is bringing a faith solution to uh, so much of this. So as we kind of draw this to a conclusion, tell us what you do and uh, how you approach the faith need to those in the law enforcement community. Uh, you know, I, I say it like this because we have a, we have a training plan for the, for the physical component so that we ensure we stay in shape. We have a training plan to hone our craft, our skills, so that we're efficient with our tools, uh, but often we neglect our spirit, we neglect our soul, we neglect our heart, and the things that matter most. This life will end, and you're guaranteed to have trouble in it, Jesus told us, but I've created some resources, one being behind the badge, it's a 365-day devotion in an imitation leather binding with a beautiful book, beautiful design, it's reached 50,000 officers since May of 18, and my, my mission is to go after the heart and soul with the resources and tools and the mindset like we go after having good physical conditioning or good skills, good right. craft, training. Uh, if we can get our hearts and our souls up to par, we can be more resilient in our mind and our relationships and our careers. If your soul and your heart are taken care of, everything else will fall in line. 
Sure. If we neglect that, everything falls apart no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you work. And so that and bulletproof marriage, uh, we know that between 40, 72% of suicides are tied to failed relationships. So if we go after uh, helping and forge marriages, then we can have an impact on those numbers as well and, and, and save lives. That's most important, saving yeah. lives. And I remember being a cop in my darkest hour looking for stuff and trying to find something that would punch me between the eyes that would meet me right where I was at. And so that's what I wrote. I wrote behind the badge yeah. and it's written from a cop's perspective for cops. Where, uh, where can people find it and where can people follow you? Hey, you can theadamdavis.com, T-H-E-AdamDavis.com. Um, social media, the official Adam Davis on Facebook. And uh, you can email me, Adam, at theadamdavis.com if you want to order in bulk. Mark yep. them down near about 50% if you want to give a case away to your community. Awesome, man. Thank you, Adam. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you, Adam. Jeremy and Chad. Thank you all. While there is much that could be said about the state of policing currently in the United States, some great points were raised in our conversation. And I want to give those to you today as our situation report. The first one is this, and a well-made point, the responsibility for what is happening with police in the United States rests with our elected officials. And so much of the animus that is aimed toward police officers needs to be aimed toward those who are responsible for the police officers. We need to put the right kind of people in office if we want to get the police that we believe we deserve. The responsibility rests with our elected officials. We understand this as well, but again, the point needs to be made, and this is the second point today. America needs law and order, which means Americans need law enforcement officers. We need police. We need police in our communities to not only keep us safe, but to enforce the laws that, again, we vote to put in place. We need police, and the conversation around defunding or removing police officers is one that is absolutely ridiculous on its face. We need police. The third one is this. Communities need to support law enforcement. We talk about community policing, and we talk about the relationships between police officers and the community. If we want to have the right relationships, if we truly want to put our arms around the concept of community policing, then we as communities need to support our law enforcement officers, and we have, man, a responsibility, not just an opportunity, but a responsibility to do that. Uh, this is a big issue, and it's certainly very complicated in so many ways, but I think these three points really drive home exactly what we need to accomplish. Put the responsibility for much of what's happening on our elected officials, understand the need for police in every one of our communities, and then, as communities, to support those who are standing on what we call that thin blue line. And that is your situation report for today. Again, so grateful to have great conversations with tremendous guests, and we look forward to doing that again next week, and look forward to seeing you here. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.